You can sit here, but you might be on camera. <laughs> All right, so I just want to welcome everyone this morning, and uh, we're a small group. There's um, a contingent of us that have gone, where, to Connecticut? Yeah, um, so uh, Emmy Captain has gotten married. Yeah. Oh, and so she's no longer captain, so I'll figure out a different nickname for her. Was that the place she always Yeah, today. Today, then. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. That's so, exciting. yeah. we got a good number of people who've been invited to that. Yeah, yeah. So, and I uh, just want to welcome everyone who's joining us on YouTube and Facebook Live, if you're watching us. So, it's it's just, I'm going to shorten the sermon today since we're a smaller group. I might even ask some questions uh, of you. But um, today um, we're going to be talking about Romans 4. And um, I I specifically asked if I could talk about Romans 4 because I I love Romans 4. Um, We've been, you know, studying through the book of Romans. And uh, Romans 4, you know, Paul writes, he's writing uh, to the... Jewish people in Rome, and, he, and you got to understand that up to this point, um, the Jewish people felt like and believed that they could be righteous before God by three things: by being Jewish, by being circumcised, and by following the letter of the law. By doing those three things, they're like, we're righteous before God. So here comes Paul in Christianity, and Paul saying. It's more than that. It's, it's faith. It's yeah. belief. And that's what's so great about Romans 4. Um, but I want this morning I wanted to look at what that word faith means. Because we hear it all the time. And we hear it um, all the time. Like if you go on YouTube and you look at sermons, you always hear preachers preaching about faith. And a lot of time it's kind of packaged into this selling point like if you believe you can achieve and if you believe you can receive and it's about your faith if you believe you can get that red sports car you'll get it god will give it to you or the raise or the job or whatever it be, it be. and i'm like this when i was reading romans 4 and thinking about this i'm like is that what biblical faith is and i have four points for you this morning um, first of all, the word faith in the Greek is pistero and uh, is mentioned in the New Testament 238 times. It's translated either faith, believe, or trust. Three great words. It's obviously integral to Christianity and salvation. Jesus used the words many times when healing. Which is so interesting. In fact, I counted 20 times where Jesus healed someone and faith was mentioned or presumed. A lot of times Jesus would say, your faith has healed you. Your faith has saved you. Your faith has made you well, right? And it, it's so interesting to me because he would heal someone of their blindness or of their disability or leprosy or whatever it may be. And then you would think, what would what would be the next thing Jesus would say? He might, I, I, In my mind, I would say, I would think he'd say, come follow me, or repent, or give up all your sins. But a lot of times he said, your faith has healed you. And then he walked away. 
Why? Why did he say that? Um, whatever the word means, it sounds like something we need in our lives, right? Uh, modern self-help gurus and Christian preachers galore have packaged this word up into a nice, tidy, magic formula, shortcut to success and quick fix to the problems of our lives. If we can just understand this word and use it, then magic will happen, right? Let's take a look at what the Bible says, Romans 4, 1 through uh, 3. What then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, discovered in this matter? If, in fact, Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. What does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. So that, that quote is from Genesis 15. And if we look back at Genesis 15, 6, just to get some context. Genesis 15, 1 through 6. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abraham, Abram said, O sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless, and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him, This man will not be your heir, but a son coming from your own body will be your heir. He took him outside and said, Look up at the heavens and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. And in verse 6, it says, Abraham, Abram, I'm sorry, believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. It's, it's, it's so simple. It, it says he believed the Lord. The Lord said something. He said he would not. He would have a, an heir, a child, and, and, and his his descendants would be as as vast as the stars of the sky. And Abram just believed. What's that word "believe" mean? Um, the first point I would like to make is that faith is not the source, but the channel. Okay? Uh, faith is not the source. And, and these four points, I think, are really important because, you know, I'll give you this example of my dad. My dad had a stroke a few years ago, and he's, he's recovered, recovered quite well. But the nemesis of his life, well, there's two. There's his iPhone. <laughs> And the TV. They drive him completely insane. And, and probably 99% of the time I talk to him on the phone, he starts going off about his iPhone or the TV. And um, he never did that before the stroke. So, you know, obviously this is affecting, um, you know, him understanding things and, and working with things. But um, with the TV... I don't know if you have you guys ever gone to someone else's house and tried to work their TV. Oh, I don't even attempt. <laughs> yeah, um, I went to my sister's house once, and she's. I got there early. She's like, "Oh, just watch TV till I get there." I, I sat down, and there, there was like seven remotes. Yeah, yep. And I'm just like, "What? What? 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 And, and it took me seriously 15 to 20 minutes to get the TV working. And I got it working. I'm like, "Yes, it's working." And then I'm like, "There's no sound." 
And then I'm trying to figure out the sound, and it was driving me insane. Well, my dad goes through that daily. He's like, he calls me, Steve, how do I, it's even worse now, because he's like, how do I get to Netflix? How do I get to that Fire TV thing that you put on my TV? How do I get HBO Max? Where is that? How? Um, and I, I was thinking about that story, and, and sometimes his cable provider would go down. And it would be his cable provider, but my dad would be going insane, like unplugging everything and, and checking everything. And, and he'd call me, and I'd be like, Dad, it sounds like your cable provider's not working because your, your Internet's not working either. Um, but I was thinking about this in regard to faith, I'm, and I thought of faith. Faith is like the channel. And so often Jesus would like say, or even in, in Romans, by faith, through faith. Like that's the channel by which we connect to God. And so often I hear preachers preaching about faith like it's the source. Like if you just believe, you'll achieve. Like it'll happen. Like it's, it's the source. Yeah, I, I think that's really dangerous, honestly. Yes. Because when you think that way and you believe that way, in, in my mind, you're, you're pretty much creating an idol in front of God. Faith is your idol. You think faith in, in your belief will get you success in things in life. And, and I think that is not good in front of God. I don't think God wants that. I think we, God wants us to be, be God's the source. And, and faith is the channel. And I, I love the way, um, that way of thinking about it. And I, and I thought, why would God do that? Why would God set it up so our faith is so important? And the picture that came to my mind is, is Brenda, my wife here. Um, when our kids were little, she would, she, she Uh-oh. would, this is a, a good example. She, <laughs> She, she she would she would do things with the kids like bake a cake, and you know I'd watch her and and, and she'd like fill up the the uh, measuring cup with flour and say hey Jillian put this in the bowl, and she would get Jillian involved, and she's like okay now Jillian try to crack this egg or do this or that. Why did she do that? Because she wanted first of all I think there, that connection just feels awesome. To be doing something with your kid, like with your child, and experiencing and working together. But also, Brenda wanted to empower Jillian, empower Sarah and Melissa, like teach them something about life that you can do stuff, that you can do things, that you could even bake a cake. It's not that hard. If she didn't do that, the, the girls would just be looking at mom like, Mom somehow bakes cakes. I could never do that. And I, I think God, when, when he, I, don't, I can't speak for God, but I imagine that maybe he wants that relationship with us and for us to be involved in the miracles, right? right. Um, I think that's an amazing gift. Like, and that's what Jesus said to people. Your faith has healed you. Not that your faith is the source, but you're, you're on the right channel. You're focused on me and God, and we can do it, and you, your faith is on the right channel, looking at us, focused on us, believing in us. So, the, you know, the question I had, I just wrote out for myself, am I on the right channel in my life? God's channel of faith. How, 
do I know? How do we know? And I thought about that for myself. I'm like, how do I know I'm on the right channel with my TV? Well, if I'm looking for FX, I see FX on the TV, right? The channel. I think if, to know if we're on the right channel with God, we, we have to think, how focused am I on God? Am I looking at God in my life? Am I focused on God? Number two, point two, and I label these footsteps. Um, footsteps, because in, in Romans 4, it talks about Abraham, if, if the Jews that are circumcised, besides being circumcised, follow in the footsteps of faith of Abraham. I just thought that was such a cool little thing, footsteps of faith. So footstep two, faith is most concerned with God's will above our own. Now, preachers today love to preach Mark eleven twenty four. It says, therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. You hear that. If you go and look at sermons today on YouTube, and you'll probably hear that dozens of times in sermons around the world. Um, it's, an, it's, a, it's a great scripture. We love to hear that scripture. It, it's like we just have to believe and it'll happen. But this point is very important. Faith is most concerned with God's will above our own. And I, I want to read 1 John 5, 14 and 15. You don't hear this scripture very often. It says, This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. That's not preached very often. We don't want to hear that. Most of America does not want to hear that. They just want to... They just want to go to church and pray for what they want and get it, right? There's part of us that wants that. We want something, God, give it to me, please. Mm -hmm. But this says we have to pray according to his will. And I think that is so important. I, um, I'm going to share, you know, personally, I, I, you probably heard this story before, but I had a brain tumor in the 90s, golf ball-sized tumor next crushing my brain stem, and um, it just, as you would expect, just totally messed up my world. Like, it was just, I was in Mass General for weeks, like, um, going through the whole ordeal, the surgery, 18-hour surgery. And um, But I remember sitting in the hospital just with all these feelings, like, God, why? Why, God? And I didn't know what to read in my Bible. I didn't know what to think. I didn't know what to pray. And I, I just flipped open my Bible to Philippians. And it was Philippians 1, 20 and 21. And it, it said, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but have sufficient courage so that now as always Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or death. For to live is Christ and to die is gain. And I read that. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that is like the, that is what I needed to read. Yeah. I'm like, and so after I read that, I started praying, God, I pray that this surgery goes well and I come out of this healthy and whole 
and that in my life I can glorify you and live for Christ. But if I don't, if I die, and that's your will, and there's some greater good that comes from it, even if I don't understand it or see it, I'm surrendered to that. Because to, to die is gain, it says. Um, and I prayed that every day. And then I started praying, God, because the doctors came in and gave me that talk, like you could you could wake up paralyzed, you could wake up deaf, you could wake up blind. Um, it was right next to my brain stem, so your brain stem controls your whole body, so a lot of bad stuff could happen. Um, or you could die. And so I started praying, God, if it's your will that I'm paralyzed, I'm surrendered to that. If it's your will... I'm deaf. That was a hard one because I'm a musician. <laughs> I was like, I'm surrendered to that. And I really was trying, it, I was praying it like I mean it, but there was also part of me that was like, I want to mean it. I want to be surrendered, God. And it, it's so, I think it's such a great story because, you know, like maybe a year earlier I heard a sermon. Someone did a sermon with and said, who are you praying for in your life to come to a faith in God. Who are you praying daily for that God will do whatever it takes for that person to become a Christian? And I was convicted. I wasn't praying for anyone. So he, he at the end of the sermon, he challenged us, pick one person and pray every day for God to do whatever it takes for that person to become a Christian. And so I picked my brother, my younger brother, Matt, two years younger, and I started praying every day. God, I pray you do whatever it takes in Matt's life to become a Christian every day. I do. I pray you do whatever it takes, God, in Matt's life. Next thing I know, I started having symptoms, brain tumor symptoms. I started laughing all the time. I started seeing double vision. I started having trouble going to the bathroom. I started having all sorts of problems, my, slurring my speech. Um, and I don't. I think I I got distracted at that point. I think I stopped praying that prayer. But I remember. My brother came to to Boston when, during the surgery. He was there for like two weeks. And I woke up from the surgery. My family's in my room. And, and my brother's like, hey, Steve, guess what? I'm like, what? You know, I'm not feeling that great. He's like, I've been studying the Bible. I've been studying the Bible with the guys. I was like, wow, that's cool. And in my head, I didn't put those two things together, my prayer and my experience with the brain tumor. My brother went back, back to... Uh, Buffalo while I was recuperating and a few like a few weeks later he's like Steve I'm getting baptized I've accepted you know I'm going to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior and I I believe I'm going to get baptized on Sunday you know um, and he got baptized and he and he believed and, and he was like a disciple of God and it still didn't hit me and then years later I, I, I don't even know how long later but I was like wait a second I remember praying that prayer I don't think I realized it at the time. And, and God, I was praying God would do whatever it takes in my brother's life, but he did whatever it took <laughs> in my life. <laughs> and would I do it again? Would I go through that horrible experience? Yes, I would. Yes, I would. For my, for, for my brother to experience that and come to a faith, I'm like, and it, the, honestly, my parents came out too, and, and my parents saw disciples and we I remember at my apartment we had like maybe 50 people in there disciples brothers and sisters and we had they had a sharing time about me 
um, in case you know in case I died in the surgery. And my parents were there, and they heard all of it. And my my mom and dad were blown away. They were like, "Wow, we've never seen anything like this, Steve." They were very impressed. Um, a couple other scriptures, just in case you to- don't totally buy into that scripture that you have to pray according to His will. I buy it now. Okay. <laughs> you need the Philippians one or the John one. What was that? Which which scripture? The John one, right? No, this one's going to be John 15. So. Okay, all right, all right. John 15, 7 says, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. There's a condition there. And that word remain also means abide. If Jesus is saying, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish. But here's the thing. When we abide with Jesus, when we're together with Jesus, our wants, our desires are going to be aligned, right? Yep. We, if, if we're abiding in Jesus, we're probably going to pray for that red sports car as much as Jesus would pray for that red sports car. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Would Jesus pray for a red sports car? I don't know. I'm not going to uh, go that down that uh, root rabbit hole, but... Another scripture is James 4, 3. When you ask and do not receive, wait, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. So, again, he's saying you're you're praying, you have faith, but you're not getting it because you're just praying about yourself. You're praying about what you want. What's God's will in this? And lastly, Mark 14, 32 through 36 is Jesus in Gethsemane. And to me, this is the ultimate example where Jesus is saying, God, if there's any way, take this from me, like this task and this plan that I have to follow of getting crucified. If there's any way, take it from me. But then he ends, yet not what I will, but what you will. And the question I wrote for this is, how often do you add, yet not what I will, but you will, God, to the end of your requests requests and prayers to God? I mean, that that's a hard one. Um, and, and this is a hard lesson. I mean, imagine you have cancer. And you just, God, take this cancer away. But imagine through that cancer... Your kids become Christians. They come home. They see you struggling with the cancer, with all the realness of it, the sickness and the, the emotional toil. But they, through that, they see your faith in God. They see the light through your pain, and they become Christians through that. Um, I, I think there's so so often we want to get rid of the the sickness and the illness and the bad things, but there's so much light and truth that can come through those things mm-hmm. if we surrender to God's will. And that's what Jesus did. Amen. But step three, faith does not ignore the facts. Faith faces the facts, sees them for what they are, and then chooses to have faith in God. Faith is not denial or blind. And let's go back to Romans 4. Romans 4, 18. 
It says, against all hope, Abraham in hope believed, and so became the father of many nations, just as it has been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead, since he was about a hundred years old, and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promises of God, or the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. I love that scripture. And that word, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead, and that Sarah's womb was also dead, is necrosis which does not sound good. You probably know what that word means. <laughs> In the medical field, it's, it's death, basically. Croaking? Is that where they know? Necrosis. I know, but I wonder if the croaking yeah. came from. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe. Yeah. Um, but what do we see here? Abraham faced the fact. I, and I bring this up because a lot of times I, I talk to Christians and they're like, I have faith. I have faith. That's awesome. Uh, but what did the doctor say? I don't want to talk about that. I don't want to talk about that because I have faith and I'm not even going to... I can't go there. I can't think about what the doctor said. Um, and this seems contrary to me to what Abraham's doing. Abraham's looking at his body. as good as dead. It's not working. He's looking at Sarah. She, she's barren. She cannot have kids. She cannot... There's no way. He's... He's like, this, these are the facts. But then he's, he's looking at God and saying, it can still happen. I think, I think that is so important. And really, that's the kind of faith that the people in the world respect the most. I mean, some of them will call it foolish. Yes, that's true. But, but I think it's more foolish to not face the facts and just go, I believe. I believe. It's going to be okay. But what are the facts? How how bad is your financial situation? Uh, I don't want to talk about it. Right? Um, actually, I'll go off on a little tangent with a story. Brenda and I kind of, you know, in our old house in Waitsfield, we got into a situation where we had a lot of debt. You know, we had to take out a loan to get the down payment for the house, and we had to do different things to fix up the house. But we got into a point where it, we were, I'm, I'm like, I don't know if we're going to make it out of this because that's when the pandemic hit and interest rates started skyrocketing, like credit cards. And uh, we used to get 0% offers. In the pandemic, no 0% offers. And and I was like, the offers that, you know, on the credit card was like 19, 20, 21, 22%. I was like, we're going to get slammed if, if we can't pay this off. So, um, Brenda being very decisive, that, I love Brenda for this. She's like, we need to sell the house. We need to sell the house. And I kind of fought it for a little bit. Um, but then we did, I said, okay, we need to sell the house. Um, pretty soon after, Brenda like put the house on the market. I'd even, she's like, I put the house on the market. <laughs> By the way. I think she sent me a text. Here's the link. I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> Well, she didn't quite like that. Yeah, it was a little bit, though. <laughs> she, she, she knows how much I drag my feet. Like, I, I, I just have to cross the T's, and, and she's just like, let's do this. Um, we prayed. We prayed a lot. We said, God, 
we pray, you know, we pray we can sell this house. And But I was praying, Brenda was praying to sell the house. I was praying to pay off the debt. I'm like, well, we got to get out of this debt. Um, we put the house on at a certain price. Immediately, five, within five days, we got an offer for that price. In the same day, we got another offer for the same price. I said, well, someone else already bid. They, and they said, we'll go 15000 higher. And so... Um, they went higher, and then I went back to the other people. I'm like, well, these other people are going 15000 And he's like, I don't want to be in a bidding war. But So anyways, we sold the house for a price more than we asked. And after, you know, at the closing, we did the closing, and we got the check. And I thought it was so interesting because I was, we were praying to pay off the debt. The check, I mean, this is thousands and thousands of dollars. The check was within a hundred dollars of the debt we owed. Oh wow. It was actually seventy dollars more. So I joked with Brenda, I'm like, we can pay off the debt and go out to dinner. <laughs> so that's like God saying, All right, your, your debt's paid off, take your wife out to dinner. <laughs> and then I then I told Brenda, I'm like, I should have prayed for more. Uh, um, but we we faced the facts. I, I was facing the facts. I was so anxious about the facts. But we decided to turn to God and look to God. And um, God came through. And I'm, I'm very, very grateful for that. Uh, footstep four, the last one. And this is super important too. Faith is heartfelt and produces the fruit of repentance and obedience. And this, uh, the internet. I call the internet... The wide road, the wide path. Jesus says, go through the narrow road, the narrow path, the narrow gate. The internet is the wide road in my mind. You can go on there and find whatever you want that will justify your beliefs. And I'm alarmed in the last couple of years, maybe the last 10 years, um, of the things I read on the internet about Christianity from Christians, so, mm-hmm. you know, quote unquote Christians. Um, so often Christian writers, and it sounds so good when you read these different websites and stuff, um, they separate faith from baptism. Two separate things. They, faith, they separate, I've read so much stuff, they separate faith from repentance. They separate faith from obedience. They separate faith from lordship. Um, it, it's this wave of... Um, Belief going around in the United States that all you need to do is believe. Just believe Jesus died for you, and that's it. You don't have to repent. You don't have to make Jesus Lord or even follow him. You don't have to read your Bible. You don't have to change anything. You just go on with your life, and you're saved. You're going to heaven. I think that's a false teaching, honestly. And that's not what's in my Bible. I've read these sites, and I, I feel like at, they all sorts of scriptures in there backing up what they're saying, and you're like, maybe this is true. But then you go back to the narrow gate, the narrow path, which is this this book right here, and you read the full context and the other scriptures, and you see a bigger picture. You see a different picture, a fuller picture. But I want to read, uh, again, the, the point is faith is heartfelt and produces the fruit of repentance and obedience. In James 2, verse 20 through 24, 
It says, you foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. Now this is confusing. Because Romans says you're, you're saved by faith, not works. And this is saying a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. I think it's talking about two different things. Mm -hmm. Romans is talking about works that you think lead you to righteousness. Exactly. In the salvation. Mm -hmm. Here James is talking about when you got faith, it produces something. Mm -hmm. It produces works. And I'm so grateful. I'll add this. I'm so grateful for baptism. Because in my mind, baptism is a moment in time that is a celebration and an event of physical event that, yes, it symbolizes our faith, but it, it's a gift from God. And in my story, when I studied the Bible, I got to a point where, you know, we, 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 we talked about the cross and Jesus' sacrifice and why he died for me. And I remember, like, just crying and being like, I went home that night and I'm like, I believe. I have faith. For the first time, I'm like, I truly believe this. And the guy I was studying the Bible with is, is like, Steve, you want to get baptized? Yes, I want to get baptized. Um, set a date for Sunday. A few days later, I canceled it. I had, I felt like I had faith. I believed, but I canceled it. I'm like, it's too much. It's too much pressure. I can't do it. It's too much of a sacrifice. It's too much, too much commitment. I set another date, you know, with him. He's like, Steve, how about a week? Let's let's get together. Let's talk. We set another date. A few days later, I canceled it. I can't. I can't do it. Um, and then after that, I went out with a bunch of my non-Christian friends who were trying to convince me not to be part of a church, not to that this is all foolishness. And drank way too many beers at a club in Boston. And um, they were like, Steve, let's go. I'm like, I've had too much to drink. Just wait. I was the driver. Um, they had too much to drink, too. And I'm like, let me get a coffee. Let me let me clear the blood, you know, my mind. And I got a coffee, and I'm drinking the coffee. And about 15 minutes go by, and I think I'm, like, I think I'm okay. I think I'm okay. We get in the car. We're driving down towards Boston, towards Starro Drive, and there's lights everywhere. And, and I'm not, I'm new to the, I'm not new to the area, but I didn't know that area. And I'm like, where do I go? Where do I go? Like, I'm confused. And, and the guy behind me goes, just keep going straight. And I didn't see the red light above me. And I, I, I went straight, hit the gas. Next thing you know, I hear a scream from behind me. And I look to my left and I see a car speeding straight towards us. He's getting off the, the, the ramp for Star Road Drive. He has a green light smash, smashes into my little Hyundai. My Hyundai goes flying, hits the side of the bridge. You know, I'm like this because the whole side of the car smashed in glass all over me, glass all over the girl in the back. Um, this is before breathalyzers, but I'm like, I'm in trouble. 
I am in trouble. Like, state troopers get there. I'm like, please, please don't ask me the question. Like, don't, I hope this doesn't come up. I hope they don't notice. Like, two or three state troopers come up, and they're surrounding me. And they're like, sir, have you been drinking tonight? And I'm like, no, no, no. And I'm like, I, I've had a couple beers. And I had more, a lot more than a couple beers. Um, and they had me do the, the, back then they had you say the ABCs, mm-hmm. walk a straight line. And um, they had me do the ABCs and I messed them up. They had me walk a straight line and I walked a straight line and I, I did okay, I think. But then the last one is they had me put my hands like this and hold one foot out. I don't even know if I can do it right now. Yeah, and no, just stay there for as long, like for like 30 seconds, just like this. This is hard to do right now. Um, and it was windy. It was raining. It, my friends were in the back of the, tr- the, the, the um, trooper car, and they were looking at me, and they, they said, Steve, you didn't move at all. You were like a statue. But little did they know, when I was doing this, I was praying. Mm-hmm. I was like, God, if you get me out of this, I for sure am getting baptized. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not sure if you should, like... Bargain. <laughs> bargain with God, but my friend said, Steve, you, it was weird. Like, the, the state trooper, like, coats and stuff were all flapping in the wind, and like, but you were just, like, not moving your clothes. Like, it was just, like, weird. Like, you were like a statue, and I was like, thank you, God. But we, we the state trooper dropped us off at my friend's house, and, and I was shaken. I was like, guys, I could have died tonight. We could have died tonight. I need to get baptized. And they were like, no, what are you talking? And they were still trying to talk me out of it. It was just a coincidence. It wasn't God. I'm like, it was God. And the next Sunday I got baptized. Amen. <laughs> but, but, but that whole story, I, I tell you because that baptism is one of the most precious memories in my life. Wasn't yours? It, it's a physical gift from God that he gives us that we can always remember. And I've talked to a lot of people in like other churches and I say, when, when, when were you saved? And it's very vague. It's very like, I don't know, I've always kind of always believed. I've always gone to church. I've never really had a moment where, and this isn't about that in, in, in their path, but for me, I'm so grateful for that specific moment. It's, it's, it's almost like it is. It's a lot like our wedding. And I can't imagine if I had canceled our wedding two days before the wedding a couple times. I don't probably want to be it's married. Too much. Yeah. <laughs> but, but that wedding is a, man, that's in my memory. I remember Brenda coming down the aisle. I remember how awesome it is. And, and the wedding in no way earned me, my wife. Earned me God. A lot of people say baptism's a work. It earns salvation. I'm like, man, no. How does that earn salvation? Like, I don't get it. Um, one last thing I'd like to talk about. The same point is Hebrews 11. You guys know Hebrews 11. It's the chapter on faith. Hebrews 11. Just a couple examples says, by faith Abel offered a pleasing sacrifice to the Lord. By faith, Noah built the ark before the flood came. By faith, Abraham left his home and obeyed God's command to go. He knew not where. 
by faith, when God asked him to offer up his son as a sacrifice, he, he went that, down that road to do that. Luckily, God stopped him. By faith, Moses led the children of Israel out of Egypt. Many more heroes of the faith are mentioned who, through faith, conquered kingdoms, administered justice, gained what was promised, shut the mouth of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, escaped the edge of the sword, turned weakness into strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Uh, foreign armies. What do we see here? Faith and action. Mm-hmm. Right? Every single example in Hebrews 11, there's faith and there's some kind of action. And imagine if Hebrews was written, Abraham had faith. Noah had faith. Isaac had faith. If, it, if that's all it said, wouldn't it be found wanting? Wouldn't we read that and go, yeah, but, okay, what's that mean? What happened? And I, and I thought about that. I, it's, it's sort of like we, we love movies, right? Don't we all we love movies? Imagine, like, watching, you guys remember Rocky? Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully younger, guys, younger people have seen Rocky. But imagine if Rocky, it got to the point in the movie where Rocky was like, I can beat Apollo Creed. And then the credits started coming up. <laughs> and then they're like, thanks for coming, guys. That's, that's the end of the movie. Uh, Rocky has faith that he could beat Apollo Creed, and that's really the point, and we're done with the movie. You'd be like, what? I want to see what happens. Like, I want to see, you know, what's that mean? How's, how's that going to be lived out? That's the way faith is. I, mean, I could give you so many examples. In Star Wars, right? Imagine if Luke Skywalker was like, Ray, the light side of the force can overcome the dark side. And Ray's like, I believe that. And then the credits start rolling. And you're like, wait, where's the battle? Where's the good versus evil? I want to see this. Like, I want to see this played out. That's what Hebrews 11 is about. It's that battle played out. And faith, true biblical saving faith, that inspires and brings that out of us. We want to do something with that faith. Whether, you know, it be baptism right at the beginning. Like, I want to do that. I want to put my faith into action. You guys with me on that? Mm-hmm. Question. At your, well, a lot of people don't like these questions, but mm-hmm. I love these questions. At your funeral, imagine this, at your funeral, would your friends and family talk about you as a man or woman of faith? If someone was at the funeral who didn't know you and said, how so? What would that person say? What stories would they tell about you? What, like, what instances of your faith being lived out? And then the last question is, what incredible stories of faith do you still have to live out in your life? And this was a convicting one for me because, you know, I'm 55 this year. And I don't know, I, I feel like the younger Steve Knapp in my 20s when I met Brenda, I was like, Let's do this! Like, I was like, let's, let's go anywhere, do anything, like preach the gospel and just have an impact on the world. And now I'm 55 and I'm like, honey, what's for supper? What's on TV tonight? Like, I'm more thinking that way. And so, but as I, as I prepared this um, lesson, I was like, what is God's plan for the rest of my life? 
for all of our lives. What incredible things does God have in store for us with our faith? Amen? And again, faith is not the source. It's the channel. So for communion this morning, um, I wanted to read Hebrews 12. One and two. Therefore, since we are, and this this is um, talking about Hebrews 11 and all the great men and women that were talked about in Hebrews 11. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. I love that scripture. It says, Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And, you know, these four footsteps for communion, I just wanted us all to think about Jesus. And Jesus is the author and perfecter of these Faith footsteps. Number one, faith is not the source, but just the channel. If it's one thing you get when you're reading the Gospels, it's that Jesus was always on that channel, right? He was never off that channel. It seemed like that's the great thing about Jesus. He was always connected to the source. And at times he was like, hey guys, stay here. I got to go off and pray. And you, you have this fe- this feeling and sense like he's got to connect to the source, connect to the source, connect to the source. I love that about Jesus. He's like a perfect example of that. Footstep two, faith is most concerned with God's will above our own. Wasn't Jesus, didn't he show us that? Everything, in there's so many scriptures in John where Jesus is like, I do God's will. I'm concerned with God's will. I'm, I'm here, I'm saying God's words. He's not all about Jesus. He's like, my job here is, is to focus on God and do God's will. Footstep three, God doesn't ignore the facts, right? He faces the facts and then has faith. Didn't Jesus face the facts? How many times in the Gospels is he's like, guys, I'm going to be crucified. I'm, I'm going to die. He, a number, I think it was four times he said that to the guys. And the guys were maybe the other example of denial. <laughs> I said faith isn't denial. I think the guys were like, what are you talking about? Stop talking about this. We don't want to hear this. Jesus recognized the facts, acknowledged them, and then had faith in God. And the last one, faith is heartfelt and produces the fruit of repentance and obedience. Jesus was obedient. And even in the Garden of Gethsemane, you know, he wanted out of it. But he said, God, your will, not my will. I'm surrendered to that. So I just wanted to pray for our communion. We do have communion here, right? We do. Okay. Um, <laughs> thank you, Jeanette. Um, and just thank God for his plan and, and us having a part in it with our faith, but also Jesus. 
just perfectly having faith in God and showing us that example. Amen. Dear God, thank you so much for this morning. We're a small group, uh, but I I pray that we can take this lesson to heart and uh, your word to heart, Father. And um, thank you for just the gift of faith and and what it means and being on the right channel with you. Um, Thank you for Jesus um, showing us that example of living a life that is connected to you and the source and is always looking to you. Um, and, and is it on that right channel? And um, God, I pray for all those also who aren't here, God, that they can um, have a, a good communion wherever they are and um, come back safely. Um, but God, uh, I just pray this morning that we can reflect on Jesus and his heart and um, commitment to you and his faith and sacrifice for us. In Jesus' name, amen.